Pre-game coverage starts at 7 on TSN 1050 tonight. I'll be with Dwayne Watson, live from Scotiabank Arena, the tip at 9. Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Chuck Squirsky, the former Raptors play-by-play voice, will join us in the next segment. Right now, Kurt Heelan at Basketball Talk is the Twitter account. He's the lead NBA writer and managing editor at NBCSports.com. Kurt, welcome in. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me in. Our pleasure. I really, I've said this many times, I love the best 4 to 7 format because it allows the opportunity for everything to happen. Having said that, we haven't seen everything. What's been missing so far for you in this series? Well, I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing is the thing that changes tonight, right? <laughs> you do get Kevin Durant back, and that puts this is a Warriors team that was built around four stars and not much depth, right? I think we saw that in this series. You know, it, uh, if you're playing, look, Alfonso McKinney, bless him, is not really a Finals player. Uh, they, you know, they had to have Jonas Durepko out there for stretches. It's just not been the Warriors team that they wanted to put forward. I, you know. The problem is, look, that's the breaks. They didn't have those guys out there. Now they're in, in a hole that I don't think they can get out of regardless. But it makes the series more interesting. It certainly makes the matchups more interesting starting tonight, um, assuming he plays. I know he's technically questionable, but at this point I'd be pretty shocked if he's not out there. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't play in an elimination game, he doesn't play, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm curious. You know I, how well he's going to move, though. I know that that you know they, they've been putting him through stuff. They've been taking their time a little bit with this, but you know, honestly, if I'm the Raptors, I'm dragging him into some pick and rolls in the first minute minutes of this game. Like I just I want to see how he moves. I want to see how he moves laterally. But I think the advantage for the the Warriors, outside the fact that look, before he got injured, Kevin Durant was. I mean, we were using him in the same breath with Kawhi Leonard for how well they were playing through the early rounds of this playoff. Um, he's, he's, you know, one of the best players on the planet. But more than just whatever they get from him, even if he's obviously his conditioning isn't going to be there, he might be moving a little bit slowly. Even if you're getting, you know, seventy percent of him or whatever it is, the fact that you're not playing Alfonso McKinney and the fact that you can now play the death lineup, which means you don't have to play a lot of Demarcus Cousins. In fact, I. I he might not play. They might just start the, the, the death lineup five and not even play DeMarcus Cousins and go small from the start. The fact that they can start doing those things and reducing the minutes of guys who are just who have gotten in trouble in this series certainly helps them. Uh, there are a number of things that the Raptors have done here that, that are surprising to us. I don't know if they are to you. The, the going big uh, in Game 4 for a while that was effective, uh, uh, the box and one thing. I mean, what jumps off the page for you that the, the Raptors have done where you it sort of raised your eyebrows and went, oh, really? Yeah, I think, well, the box and one obviously caught everybody a little off guard because you know, that's just not an NBA defense. But I think what Nick Nurse has done is not only is he really – a guy who tries a lot of different things and does a lot of different things, um, you know, and is willing to experiment to see what works. Hey, maybe maybe if we do big, you know, go all big for a few minutes, it will throw them off because it did. Yeah. But it's just that it, that he did this all season long, right? I mean, all season long, Nick Nurse played more defensive styles in some ways and threw out different lineups and experimented to make this team flexible in a way that. that Dwayne Casey, that's just not his style. Dwayne Casey is going to be much more straightforward. In fact, I was talking with Danny Green about this uh, during the series. He's like, yeah, Greg Popovich doesn't really do this, right? Greg Popovich decides what he has, and he likes lineups and matchups, but he doesn't throw things out like, like Nurse does and see what sticks against the wall. But that really works for him in this series because he's been able to throw things at the Warriors 
that they will adjust to. This is still a you know this is still a really good, really high IQ team across from you. But if you can throw them off for five minutes here or three minutes there and make a little run, that, that's a huge advantage. I mean, really, to use the 82 regular season uh, as as an audition for uh, what you could do in the playoffs is one thing, but to sort of carry that into the playoffs is another, isn't it? It is, and a lot of coaches get tight, and I think that that's to really one of the big things to Nurse's credit. A lot of coaches in that situation just start, you know, like you said, they get tight, they get a little nervous, they don't play the same way, they just get a little, you know, a little safe, a little conservative, and. <laughs> Nurse, to his credit, has not done that, and I don't know if that's his background coming out of, you know, as he said, he's coached in the G League, he's coached all over the world, he's coached in other venues, and so he's just, he treats this a little differently than I think some of the other coaches, but that's proven to be a really good thing. I want to bounce this off. I mean, just from what we've talked about here, I think a lot of front offices, uh, maybe players, maybe coaching staff, suffer from insecurity, meaning that uh, if, if the failure happens, they may lose their job. Uh, but when you look at what the Raptors have done with all the trading, the bringing in Kawhi Leonard Gasol at the deadline, uh, the way Nick Nurse coaches, the way the players respond, I mean, there is no insecurity here, is there? No. And I think Masai, to his credit, there's only a couple of guys out there who I think would have had the guts to make what was, you know, trading the most popular player on the team and and maybe, you know, the greatest player in franchise history away to take this kind of chance requires a comfort level with, I'm not going to get fired. Ownership's going to be okay with this. I can do, you know, obviously you run it past them, but I can make this kind of move. How many GMs are out there? Danny Ainge has that kind of power, but there's not many others. Like there's maybe a couple if I thought it through, but, that security, that comfort level that I'm not, I'm not going to lose my job for this gamble allows you to take risks and roll dice that other, other GMs can't, and it can pay off. It can pay off huge. Well, most general managers fall in love with their own draft picks, don't they? Yeah, well, exactly. And every team tends to, over, fan bases do this too, we tend to overestimate what we have, right? We're like, oh, my God, you know, this player X, you know, you see it actually, you know where you see it? It's not something the Raptors have been directly involved in, but the, the Anthony Davis trade talks. Right. And you've got, you know, I'm out in Los Angeles, and you listen to Laker fans, and, you know, they're talking about trading Brandon Ingram and or Lonzo Ball, and there's segments of that fan base that are like, you, you, you think they were trading Kawhi Leonard. You're like, oh, I don't know if we can give up both of them for Anthony Davis. I'm like, have you watched Anthony Davis play? Huh. Yes, you give them up. Um, <laughs> you take this risk. Um, and I think, though, that that happens to not as much with player, with franchises, but it happens internally. It does happen where you're like, because you see this guy every day and you see him work out and you see the potential and you believe in that potential more than a team that doesn't see him every day. And they just see him on the court or at Summer League or wherever they see these guys with potential. And they, they you, you, you're invested in that guy. You've drafted him. You've trained him. And you want to believe he can be the guy you think he can be when the reality is he just probably isn't going to be that guy a lot of the time. Kurt Heelan is our guest at Basketball Talk is the Twitter account. He's the lead NBA writer, managing editor at NBCSports.com. Kurt, uh, when you go back over the Raptors game four win, uh, we would call it here the, the biggest win in Raptors franchise yeah. history. I mean, the, the way they went about that was really stunning, wasn't it? From the opening gun, they just really came out and went at them and took control of that. Well, I guess not. The, I mean, it was really what the second quarter, but they yeah. really started to take control of that game. It was a sloppy start. Both teams, so both teams looked a little nervous, honestly, because was the, the, that was the first time I'd seen the, the moment kind of get to what seemed to be both teams. Nobody could ever, they 
nobody could knock down threes, especially in the first half. But the third quarter, you know, they got they they, they should come in the second game to the standard what happens to so many teams, which is the Warriors just come out in the third quarter and blow their doors off. Um, and that's always been the for five years now. That's been the mo that they they can kind of toy with teams. They get a little bored. They're like a cat with a ball of yarn for a while, and then you know they come out in the third quarter and just smoke. This is a team that can match them, and the last two games came out and not only matched them, but beat them in the third quarter. And I think that that's part of what's demoralized to, um, the Warriors. That The Warriors, to me, there comes a point in every series where, well, almost every series, not something that goes seven, but in any series that ends earlier, there comes a point where one team knows it's in trouble, where it really knows it's beaten. And that was what the Warriors looked like to me. And the only thing that ever changes that, the only time I've seen it change is, you know, the 3-1 comeback for the Cavs the other year uh, in 2016. But what changed was, you know, Green was out for a game. Also, people forget Andrew Bogut, who played really well for them, was injured in that game like he wasn't back. And suddenly the dynamic changed for them. The the Warriors have to hope that Durant can be that kind of change of the dynamic guy because they they look beaten last game they look demoralized they look like we don't have the answers for what toronto's asking and i'm not sure that frankly you know i wrote that this morning i just don't think it's enough i don't think durant for one you know even for these last three games is going to be enough because toronto's too good they're you know this is this, this it's too late now but i think that's obviously the hope on golden state side is that this changes the dynamic so if this tracks the way it's supposed to and the Raptors win this, what, what effect does uh, Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship have on the league? Um, that, that's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, you'd like to say everybody's a copycat, but copy, like I said, a lot of teams are just, A, you can't copycat Kawhi Leonard that easily. And the, the model is something that I think what they're doing is what you're seeing the model in, and more teams are going to try to do, but it's the model in Milwaukee as well, which is we want long, athletic, versatile, switchable guys who, have, who, who aren't just – look, if you're just going to be a point guard, you better be really good at just being a point guard, right? You can't – you know, you've got to be Kyle Lowry level or above. You can't just be – Kemba Walker maybe. You can't just do that. If you're going to be a center, you've got to be more Serge Ibaka who can play four, play five, step out, Marcus Gasol with his passing – if you're going to be if you're going to be a traditional center, you better be Rudy Gobert. Like you better be really, really good at this, or you can't. That switch, that move towards versatility, I think, is where the league is headed. I think Toronto's just because of a, a really smart front office is, a, is ahead of that curve. Uh, maybe a tough question to answer, but but is there anybody who reminds you this year of what the Raptors were last year and can do what the Raptors did? Team on the verge, knocking on the door that needs a big. You know who'd be interesting? And I just mentioned a player from there. I still think Utah's like one guy away in the West, right? Like if if you got a second shot creator, I mean it's a different style of play, but they are long, they are athletic, they can shoot, they play great defense. Their problem becomes you can make life difficult for any one player in the playoffs. In their case, Donovan Mitchell, and then they just don't have enough shot creation. If they land somebody like they hope, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be big on Tobias Harris. They're trying to get Mike Conley. They land somebody like that, that becomes a much more interesting team that can kind of make a leap because they've got really good players around them, and I don't think people realize how good they are. Kurt, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Enjoy the game tonight.
Thank you. We will. It, it'll be a, certainly a momentous night one way or the other. That's Kurt Helan at Basketball Talk is the Twitter account. He is the lead NBA writer, managing editor at NBCSports.com. Just have enough time to squeeze in my Alex McKechnie story. So this goes back um, a couple of years ago when I did this on a regular basis. I was doing the Leafs and Raptors, and, and my home was here at, at 1050 in Toronto. And and so when I did the Raptors games, we would have supper in the media room. And uh, generally, you'd try to cozy up around uh, Jack and Matt as they were getting set to, to do their call. And uh, Rod Black as well, had supper with the three of them and, and Alex McKechnie would always be seated there talking with uh, basketball with those three guys and, and of course you'd listen and, and pick up pointers and, and what he was talking about was uh, making you understand injury situations uh, not necessarily to be quoted but so you had the background in case you had to paraphrase or, or fill a spot or make people understand uh, why people were, were not playing and, and he spent an inordinate amount of time, didn't have to do that I mean I don't know how many assistant coaches sit there and talk uh, to, to media people before broadcast. He was the only guy I could ever remember who would do that. And if he saw you in the hall, he'd say hi to you and, and pull you aside. And, and if you had a question, he would answer it. I mean, that's the kind of guy Alex McKechnie is. And when you get into that load management situation, uh, it's a groundbreaking what he's done, but not a surprise. I have to say that. All this stuff that we talk about in a positive nature or sometimes in a negative nature is not by accident. It's the result of a daily routine that happens year after year after year that turns into decades and you could see the build there and that's what I think a lot of people are impressed about with the Raptors you could see the build there and so there's a lot of anticipation in the air I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon because that's not what I'm paid to do but but there is a joy in the air there's anticipation in the air and an interesting day to say the very least ahead coming up next Chuck Swirsky will join us and you on Raptors shoot around TSN 1050 TSN 1050.ca and also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps